Welcome to this week's Houseman Financial Podcast. I'm Trudy Houseman. This podcast was created to help our clients and their families answer confusing money questions simply. We know smart families talk about money. Today, I get to sit down with my fellow advisor and first of all, friend of many years, Pat. Pat and I go way back having what family vacation homes, a couple houses down from each other back in Michigan when we were kids. So our families were neighbors forever and uh, we reconnected about, gosh, 18, 20 years ago over a soccer field here in Southern California. As adults, uh, yes. As adults, that's right. Um, when our kids were all playing soccer together, baseball together, ballet, gymnastics, hmm. what else did they do? Pretty much everything together. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit of rugby, yeah. <laughs> so after, uh, after a couple of years, um, uh, learning about Pat's adult life, I asked him to come and join us here at Houseman Financial, and uh, we haven't looked back since. So you've been here now. How long, Pat? Uh, let's see, it was about 16 years ago that I asked you how to plan for college, and you said, come on in, let's have a chat, you know? <laughs> and it, it all just sort of snowballed from that conversation. There you go. And now here you are, uh, 16 years, 15 years later, overseeing $90 million, hundreds of clients, what is it that you like most about what you do here? Um, as, I, as I've been here about 15 years, I think my previous company I worked for uh, for about 15 years as well. I got started in the 80s as a uh, uh, clerk and eventually became an options trader. And, and uh, work, that was when I started working in the financial markets. And, uh, and that job was, uh, uh, pretty fulfilling. I got, I got to work in Chicago and, uh, Amsterdam and London and even move here back to California. Cause I spent about 10 years in California in my twenties. And, um, so that was a, a, a a great job taught me a lot about the markets taught me a lot about managing risk and and uh trying to be a small fish in a big pond um and uh that that company was owned by an individual and a handful of very minor small partners other employees at the company and as long as i was working hard and making the company some money and my manager was happy and the owner was happy life was pretty good um and I think here at Houseman Financial, uh, uh, no offense to the current owner, of course, but um, I, I really feel that my my real boss here at Houseman Financial is are my clients. You know, so here at Houseman Financial, I think currently I have uh, somewhere in the neighborhood north of three hundred clients right now, and uh, and I think I you know. I make a big impact in all their lives. And, and as long as my clients are happy, I, I feel like I'm making a much bigger impact here working at Houseman Financial than I ever did working as a uh, as an options trader. So I think that's the, the thing that I, I like most about uh, being here at Houseman Financial is that is that my, you know, the time that I put into this job, uh, it affects more people, has a bigger impact. So, yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't come with any trips to Europe. Sorry about that, Pat. Well, I'm, I was going to have a uh, talk with the boss about that one. We'll, we'll see if we can work on that. I understand the hours are a little bit better, too. I remember I remember you working oh, yeah. uh Korean market and uh, 
trading back in the day. That's true. When I first came back to California, I was working uh, Asian hours, which is basically like 4 p.m. up till about midnight, uh, trading Sunday through Thursday nights. And and, uh, it was always hard to leave the beach at 3 p.m. on a Sunday. That's right. um, To go to work. But uh, yeah, and other places I live too. You know, when I first started in Chicago, I had to be on the trading floor at 7 well, the market opened at 7.20. I had to be on the trading floor at 6.30 in the morning. And in the middle of February in Chicago, that's a challenge. So, um, yeah, you know, we're not quite married to the bell. Uh, and, and we have a long-term uh, outlook on things here at Houseman Financial, where as a trader, you're basically just trying to, you know, buy and sell as much as you can. And, and uh, it's kind of like Walmart. Turn your inventory over a thousand times a day and then go home flat. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like the long term gain, I, I, you know, and I like I like working with the clients and and, and really, uh, you know, leveraging some of the knowledge I gained from uh, over a decade of working as an options trader into helping people, uh, particularly through the rough patches, because that's where that's where clients really need the help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. absolutely. So tell me one of the major things that you've seen that helps set people up for financial success in the, in the years mm. that you've been here. What's one of the, the key things that you think really makes co- the biggest difference for clients? Uh, oh boy, financial success. That's, that, that's, that's a loaded question right there. I, I mean, I have clients who consider themselves financially successful on a very small budget. And then I have clients who spend three times as much every month and and they don't consider themselves financially successful at all because they're always struggling with something. So, you know, financial success comes from, I guess it's a matter of perspective, really. And I think the thing that sets those people apart is the people that are uh, consider themselves successful would be people who have uh, a certain amount of opt- optimism and they balance that with, uh, you know, realistic expectations and things. Um, on, the, on the flip side of that, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, when I see people who are a little bit on the imbalance side, you know, people who are, you know, they're always worried about the next conspiracy theory. Uh, they, they think the game is rigged against them. Um, I, I can remember as an options trader, you know, you, you, you'd do a trade and the market would move like right away against you and you'd think it was very personal. And uh, if you don't if you don't have a, a real good perspective on things, um, you can get pretty frustrated. And uh, I remember one day uh, my boss in uh, Chicago when I was working on the trading floor it said to me, it's like, if you want to have a pity party, why don't you go outside and sit by the fountain, you know? And, uh, and, and, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that one. And, um, and I think that's something that, um, at least in my work, you know, it's a, a, you know, I mean, financial success is a matter of perspective really. And, um, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as long as you can balance, um, you know, your expectation, uh, and a long-term perspective. Um, I don't know that that leads to financial success, but it certainly leads to a, a better experience as an investor. And I think that those people do tend to be a bit more successful. And you know, the people who have the imbalance, they're the ones that, you know, kind of do the knee-jerk reaction and tend to, you know, kind of freak out a little bit, sell low, buy high. And, and uh, well, we all know how that turns out. Right. Well, that, that was going to lead me to my next question, which was what was the most common mistake? Um, I think you've kind of already addressed that. It sounds ah, like the, yeah, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, if you lose sight of the big picture, you know, and in, in, uh, I, I keep referring back to my days on the trading floor, but I guess that's where I learned most of my lessons. Um, you know, uh, we used to have a saying on the trading floor uh, that, you know, don't don't lose sight of the forest because you're staring at a tree. And uh, and when you're trading, you know, options on one single stock, you can kind of forget that there's a whole market out there going on. You just think about what's going on with, you know, Phillips Electronics or whatever, whatever you're trading or the S&P 500. So losing sight of the, uh, the big picture, kind of getting sucked into the moment. You know, people tend to get uh, consumed by fear. And I think that's something that we as financial advisors have uh, an advantage over them because we're able to be objective about their investments. And uh, people, you know, people get very subjective about their their account statements. And and uh, you know how it is when they print the statement at the, you know, when the market's right, like right down on the 31st. And it's like, oh, let's send everybody a statement today. You know, that's that's a little bit challenging. And uh, yeah, it really is our job, I guess, to put things in perspective. Yeah. Right? Remind people that this happens. You know, volatility is is part and parcel of of investing and you know if you have a plan work the plan stick to the plan the plan will work for you and i i, I know that's something that we we talk about a lot in the office we do and and uh and i think that uh you know clients don't quite understand that when the market moves a lot that may be you know painful on the bottom line of their portfolio but it also opens up the opportunity for something. Um, and that's really our job is to point out those opportunities for clients. And, and uh, you know, we don't necessarily bite at every opportunity, but the first thing you have to do is identify the opportunity and then see if, you know, is it a good time to take advantage of that opportunity? Or, you know, are we better waiting for a little bit more data and perhaps, you know, uh, give it a month or two uh, before we uh, react? Right. You know, you can't react to every single market move. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and obviously, the, the idea is to plan ahead for contingencies so that we don't have to be reactive. Sure, sure. Yeah, we, we, we build these portfolios that are designed for income, they're designed for growth, and, you know, they're designed for the good times and the bad times. And uh, how we manage those portfolios, how we manage the distributions, all very important towards long-term success. So, we're just talking about uh, about the difference between uh, what what makes somebody successful financially and, and what some of the roadblocks are. Um, any any particular successes or, or, or versions of, of clients succeeding that have, have really you know sure. ma- made your day? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, as I said, I work with uh, a few hundred clients and. You know, the success stories come uh, periodically, right? You know, so, you know, anytime uh, a client has been uh, trying to save for their own retirement or sending a kid to college or paying for some travel expense, crossing something off their bucket list. Uh, yeah, those are those are all uh, success stories and things like that for the client. And uh, I, th- I think for myself, you know, I, I gauge success based on the referral process. I, I think any, any referral I get is a uh, you know, serious validation that we're doing something right and we're being successful and, and we're uh, achieving you know, the goals that we set out to, which is meeting our clients' needs and, and helping them. And so when they refer me to uh, somebody else, uh, I, I think that you know, we're having a very successful relationship and, and, uh, and that, that, that's, 
that always makes my day. I'm glad to hear it. And I always get a kick, too, when I get a graduation announcement for someone whose college fund we set up or a wedding announcement for the kids that I remember being, you know, toddlers um, or even, you know, hearing about clients' travels in retirement. That I'm, you know, they've got two cruises booked or they've been to Italy or whatever it is. Um, Absolutely. I always, I always get a little kick out of it, even though I didn't get to go myself. Um, I feel like, yeah. You know, we finally yeah. we got there. We, we, we finally got them to that place. Yeah. And, and not everybody wants to open up and tell you all about their finances and all the intricate things in their life. But uh, when clients are able to share and, and bring you in like that, uh, that kind of level of trust is uh, it's not easy to come by. So so that's that's a, uh, a sign that you're doing things right, for sure. Yeah. And probably one of the most rewarding parts of this job, I think, um, getting to know families that way. So you think everybody needs a financial advisor? Uh, I don't know that everybody needs a financial advisor, but I, I do believe that everybody benefits from working with somebody else to, you know, two heads are better than one. And, uh, you know, the extra analysis, having someone who's objective, uh, making sure that, you know, you're. It's kind of like the carpenter, you know, measure twice and cut once, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think that working with a financial planner, of course, you and I know that, you know, the, the statistics on it, you know, uh, uh, favor those who work with financial planners. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody benefits from working with a financial planner because uh, you want to make sure that you're really looking at, you know, not only opportunities, but the risk of those opportunities as well. And, and having the set, second set of eyes on there uh, absolutely can't hurt. You right. Know, so. Kind of help put things in perspective. It keeps it in perspective. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that individual investors really struggle with the most is losing perspective, um, especially after you've had like three bad months in a row where your account's going down, down, down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, always, it always frustrates me when somebody says something like, Oh, I started the year with $100,000 in my account. And then, you know, today there's only $90,000 in my account. And, uh, and I always, you know, I hope it's not too cheeky, but I always respond, everything you said is completely wrong. Cause you know, you didn't have a hundred thousand dollars in your account at the beginning of the year. You had a bunch of shares of this, that, and the other thing, and they were worth about a hundred thousand dollars. And if you actually look at your statement, you have more money in your account today or more shares in your account today than you did at the beginning of the year. They're just worth a little less. So I look at the account statements like it's a house or something like that. It may be worth a different value, but it's the same three bedrooms, two bath, crack driveway and a leaky roof. You know? So, <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody sells their house when the price goes down, but people want to sell their stocks when they go down. I'm doesn't really make sense. I know. I know. A lot of times I'll tell somebody, hey, if you were, went and bought that blouse for $40 and it went on sale for 30 you wouldn't return it. Instead, you'd probably go back and buy two more different colors. So um, think, think about it the same way. <laughs> or two more black ones. <laughs> Depending on who you are, <laughs> yes. of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also I also get frustrated when folks say, you know, my, my 401k went down, so I stopped contributing. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, that's the one time you ought to be buying. You're getting, yeah. you're getting a bargain, right? Accumulate. Yeah, Accumulate. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks a ton, Pat. I have had a great time with you today. Um, folks, we hope today's episode gave you some simple ideas or stories to encourage financial success. If you want, you can click the link in the show notes below and connect with Pat or myself. And as always, like and subscribe. 